Striking Chords with Jonathan Douglas. Here, talking with pianist Emmanuel Axe. You seem to have had a, a, a long association with with Brahms's music over the years. Would you say that Brahms has a particular place in your heart? That you have a particular affinity for Brahms? Uh, well, I don't know if I have an affinity, but certainly、uh, he has a special place in my heart. Yeah, he's. I, I'm. I'm especially fond of of his music. I, there, I like a lot of music, but he's he's right up there at the top. <laughs> Can you can you try and expand on that? What what is it about his music that you love so much? Well, I think it's it's the sort of combination of a very unlikely character traits.、Uh, he, on the one hand, he's extremely、uh, aware of formality and and、uh, dignity and balance and being in the proper place at the proper time. On the other hand.、Uh, He's incredibly adventurous.、Uh, there's an essay by Schoenberg、uh, in in his、uh, well among his writings, where which is titled "Brahms the Progressive," and he points out in it better than than almost anybody could,、uh, being a highly intelligent man, how how adventurous、uh, Brahms really was, and how unusual his music is, and how forward looking.、Uh, and then there's also this this sort of Contrast between balance and and sanity, and the headlong romanticism of the music. I, I think there's, 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 it contains all of that. It, it's interesting. I mean, against the background of what you say,、um, it's interesting that he. There are some quite notable figures who who failed to appreciate him, and also that he sort of fell out of favor for a while, didn't he? Yeah, I think. Well, I I think people were were struck more by the sort of. The the balance and academic nature of of some some aspects of his music,、uh, and we're put off by that, and and we're just not,、uh, you know, people like George Bernard Shaw who who detested Brahms and and couldn't wait to see to say how awful it was. He he just wouldn't leave himself open to the other side of it,、uh, and for a while there was this this attitude that if you liked Wagner, you couldn't like Brahms, and vice versa. And、uh, the only people that didn't really extend to were Wagner and Brahms themselves, who both who both really appreciated each other.、Uh, yes, I must say. I mean, I, I've come across some of Shaw's comments, I and mean, with it, that they just seem completely nuts. Yeah. Well, he he was you know he was very、uh, a part very partisan man, kind of kind of musical man, and、uh, he really detested Brahms. That's all there is to it. <laughs> um, Brahms wrote a lot of music for the piano, didn't he? If you if you also include all the chamber music and yeah,、so. yeah, I mean he was he certainly was probably one of the great pianists of his day when he was practicing, and、uh, so that was really his 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 instrument,、uh, and and、uh, I think everything emanated from that, including the symphonies. I well, I would say, yeah, the symphonies came quite late in his life, and of course, he was a great composer for orchestra and every other thing. He trained himself to be, and he was rigorous in his kind of, you know, making sure that what came out of his workshop was was absolutely perfect, well done, as good as he could make it, and and assiduously burned everything that he thought was not good. <laughs> yes.、Uh, but but I think the piano really was was the. 
the moving force, certainly in the younger years. Well, interesting you should make that uh, reference to the younger years, because we've just been listening uh, to the Opus 117, obviously later. That's very late, Brahms. yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it, to think about the way in which his piano music traces a development, but this development is very different from what you get from Beethoven's piano music. Yeah, well, you know, he, he sort of had, he had a life which was almost the opposite of Beethoven's, in, in the sense that he, Beethoven had tremendous difficulties in his life, you know, very unhappy relationships with his family, very difficult, obviously his hearing and, and his medical problems, uh, despair practically. His music doesn't really reflect much of that. And Brahms, professionally speaking, had an incredible success, uh, a huge career, you know, was was certainly the, the, the eminent composer of his time in Vienna. And yet his music, I think, reflects real despair. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, especially toward the end. I, I think the relationship with Clara Schumann probably traced uh, a lot of... A lot, you, can, you can see it in the music. <laughs> Yes, um, right. So, I mean, this dis- this despair is a very strong word. Yeah, um, w- yeah. Clara Schumann. Where else does it come from? I don't really know. It it may come from the from the weight of history. You know, he was he was also probably the first composer that really was aware of composers that came before him in a systematic way. Uh, he had a huge library. He collected a lot of music. And he did editions of music. He did, obviously, Schumann, whom he worshipped, but he also did an edition of the Chopin piano music and Bach. Uh, so I think maybe he felt the weight of history and the the difficulty of writing really good things that would stand up to the best models of, of before. Mm. I, I think there, there was some of that in him, you know, that... that how do you write a symphony that's as good as the Beethoven Ninth? It's very hard. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the music we've just been listening you, to you playing, the intermezzi, there's a sort of autumnal simplicity about it. Yeah, and that, of course, has, I, I, I think has a lot to do with the fact that Clara was, was nearing the end of, of her life, uh, was playing less and less, and he was writing these things in a way with her in mind. <laughs> So it gets more and more complicated harmonically, more and more intricate, and less and less fast as things go on.